Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So this morning, we're coming together the first Sunday after Christmas, and I want us to focus on a story that we've all heard probably a thousand times. We're going to talk about the story of the Magi coming from the East to visit baby Jesus so we can see exactly how important Jesus is, not just to the Jews, but to the entire world. So as we focus on the story of the wise men, I want you to forget some of the things that you've heard. And we're going to focus together this morning on the biblical account so that we know the facts to the best of our ability, okay? So we're gonna start this morning in the book of Matthew chapter two, verses one through 23. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to pull it out, make notes, underline stuff. It's always wonderful to do that. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen. So here's what the word of the Lord is for us this day. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went away on their, sorry, they went on their way and the star they had seen where it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard calling in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, or, sorry, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. It's a great story, right? You've heard it. Probably every Christmas since you were young, right? 
But there's some, thing about this, some things about the scripture that I think we need to dive in a little bit deeper. So <clears throat> first of all, we need to talk about numbers. How many wise guys were there? Nobody. Four. Okay, so Tim says four. Anybody else want to fight him on that? You say three. Three. Every nativity scene in the world. Three. Yes, what? At least two, but no more than a million, right? Like I, I would safely say there was probably no more than a million. We don't know, right? As you read through the scripture, we know there are three different gifts, but we don't necessarily know the number of wise guys, right? So three gifts does not equal three people. All of those gifts might've been given by just one wise person, or there might have been a herd of wise men. We don't know. I don't, would you call them a herd, a gaggle of wise men? I don't, what is it? Posse. Okay, a posse of magi. I like that one. So the part of scripture here that tells us this story has no specifics on the number of wise men or magi that are present. So here's something you probably didn't know. Eastern Orthodox churches don't believe that there were three wise men. Anybody know about how many the Eastern Orthodox churches think there were? 12. I did not know this, but they thought there were 12 wise men there. Anybody know where they came from? The East, right? Do we know what that means? Yeah, that's, that's a lot. There's a lot East of Israel, right? <clears throat> and there's some debate and we don't know, but the idea of these three wise men is so ingrained in our Western Christian tradition that we have even come up with names and backstories for these three, right? Anybody know their names? Balthazar, what? Gaspar or Casper, depending on, yeah, there's two. Anybody know? Melchior, M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R, Melchior. So I want to read this to you. This comes from um, my favorite of all sources, Wikipedia. Um, so it says in Wikipedia, and it quotes the Encyclopedia Britannica, it says, the online version of the Encyclopedia Britannica, Britannica states, according to Western church tradition, Balthazar is often represented as a king of Arabia, sometimes Ethiopia, represented by being depicted in art as a black man. Melchior usually is a king of Persia and Gaspar as a king of India. These names apparently derive from a Greek manuscript probably composed in Alexandria around the year 500. So this is 500 years post-actual birth of Jesus, right? And it was translated into Latin with the title Excerpta Latina Barbary, obviously. Uh, and there's another Greek document from the 8th century of presumed Irish origin and translated into Latin. And it continues the tradition of these three kings and their names and it also gives a little bit more detail, right? So you can find all that stuff out. You can just go search for that online. Um, not important. Just so you know, it's Christian tradition, not Christian history. And I want to make sure that you know the difference. Tradition doesn't mean something necessarily factually happened the way that it's expressed, Whereas Christian history means factually happened. Tradition is just something that somebody said one time and it stuck. Anybody ever had that happen? You tell a story once about your childhood, maybe how you broke an arm and it just sticks. Yeah, that's kind of what happens here. Almost all manger scenes in the entire world have represented magi in them. 
but it's most likely the Magi weren't even there at the birth of Christ. Did you know that? Based on what we read and the ages of the children Herod targeted for death, it suggests that Jesus could have been any age between newborn and around two years old. Did you know that Herod is not the only Herod in the New Testament? Did you know that? So the Herod of the Nativity story is called Herod the Great. Based on known information about Herod the Great, he lived from the year 72 BC to about 4 BC. So what do we think that means? So I think we've set the year zero a little weird, right? So I think our timeline is a little bit off. So if you guys want to write a letter to your congressman and see if we can adjust that, that'd be great. But so uh, when Herod the Great died, he was around 70 years old, 68-ish. Uh, and he died at, in the year 4 BC. So if he died in the year 4 BC and the year zero is here and he died here, that means we probably should push Jesus' birth back a little bit. So if you guys just from now on, you write your checks next year, just make that adjustment. That'd be great. So based on the sources that we have that corroborate this timeline, Jesus had to have been born before four. Okay, because he died, obviously. So weird timeline stuff, you're welcome. So the Magi told Herod the timeline of the appearance of the star. And since Herod had all the boys under the age of two years old killed, Jesus had to have been less than two, more than zero. It's just math, right? And then the hard part of the story is that we know that Herod killed all of the little Jewish boys in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem. Can you imagine what it would look like for there to be no boys two years old or younger in an entire town, almost like a region. Herod the Great was known for committing some pretty major atrocities, and this was another one of them. And he lived a long time, too. Herod, being 70 years old-ish when he died, was almost twice the average age of a lifespan during the first century. He was an old, old man. Now, he also tried to kill all these babies to maintain power, and he's already ridiculously old. I just drew some parallels in my mind. I'm not going to talk about it, but there's just, it's weird. Like, people who are old and want to just maintain power will do sometimes whatever it takes, even if that means murdering boys. And that's awful. So where did the Magi find Jesus? Hmm? Wasn't in the stable. In the house, right? Scripture says that the Magi went to visit Jesus in a house, not in a stable, not in a manger, but they were definitely in Bethlehem because that's where the star was. The wise men had gone to see Jesus in Bethlehem, but Jesus is now in a house. The implication here is that the star led them to Bethlehem, but they came after their initial visit, right? So they came after Jesus had moved from manger in a stable into a more semi-permanent house. So they're still there during the, um, the census that's being taken. I'm sure there are also celebrations that are happening. There's always a festival in Jewish culture, so they were celebrating something. Uh, and the family just stayed in Bethlehem for a while. But they came to visit Jesus initially. Where did they stop first? Jerusalem, 
And here's what's weird. Every time I've read this story, I've always thought that they went to go visit Herod, but that's not what the story says. The story says they go to Jerusalem and they're questioning, where is the king of the Jews? It doesn't say that they went to Herod. It just says they're starting asking questions. And when Herod hears about it, he's troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And then Herod calls them secretly, right? It's really weird when you listen and read all the details, some of the implications that we have in our minds, some of the memories that we have of the story are kind of set straight. So they're knocking on doors in Jerusalem. Hey, where's this king of the Jews? I saw his star. And it, the, the weird implication here is that the star led them to Jerusalem first, and then they followed it, whoa, they followed it to Bethlehem again, right? It's an interesting story if you read all the details about it. But they made sure that they told Herod when Herod calls them. They could have lied, right? They could have said, hey, we're just here on a visit, just hanging out. But Herod had already heard they were questioning there was a king of the Jews being born. And so Herod says, well, I too want to go worship the king of the Jews. Do you know who was king of the Jews at that time? Herod, right? He doesn't want to go worship Jesus. He wants to find Jesus so he can end his threat on Herod's reign. We call them wise men for a reason. They were called magi in scripture, but we have changed the word to mean wise men in our Christian tradition because they were smart. They knew that Herod was planning something pretty evil. So the, the wise men, they tell Herod about this newborn king and Herod is concerned and all of Jerusalem, are, uh, all of Jerusalem is concerned with him. But if finding that king of the Jews was so important for Herod, why didn't Herod go? Or better yet, why didn't Herod send somebody with the wise men to figure it out? Was he too old at 60 plus years old to go traveling around and finding out where this baby is? Maybe he was too busy. Maybe he sent all of his soldiers home on Christmas break, I bet is what it was. And so there just wasn't the manpower there. I don't know. Or maybe he just assumed that because he was king of the Jews and he had made a command to the Magi, go find him and then come back to me, that they would just do what they were told. Whatever the reason is that Herod didn't go or send a representative to Bethlehem, the Magi for sure had a bad feeling, didn't they? And not only did they have a bad feeling, but they also received warning from an angel not to go back to Herod. So after they found baby Jesus, they went home another way. One of the great things about this story is that God really shows up in this story in multiple ways and multiple times. God works a lot through this story, through the voice of angels and through dreams for the people who are involved. So the Magi were warned in a dream to go home and not go to Herod. Joseph was warned in a dream to leave for Egypt until Herod dies. Joseph was also told in a dream when it was safe to return to Israel. Joseph was warned in a dream to go live in Galilee, therefore making Nazareth his home. Zechariah was told by Gabriel that he would be the father of John the Baptist. Mary was told by Gabriel that she was going to bear the son of God. There's a lot of things happening, and God is very clear when these things are happening to let the people who are involved know, man, I wish that God still did that for me. Right? <clears throat> 
Throughout this whole story, God did some incredible things, but he every time was intentional to let people who were involved know the plan. God didn't surprise Mary with a pregnancy. He also didn't just allow Herod to show up at Mary and Joseph's front door to kill Jesus. God provided knowledge and a way in every single circumstance, and I believe that he still does that today if we watch for it. Sometimes it's hard for us to pick up on the signs of God when we're so focused on everything else. But I believe that God still has a plan for us, that God still wants us to be intimately involved in what God is trying to do. We just have to be focused on the things of God rather than the things of ourselves, right? All of these aspects of the very first Christmas make this story special. But the main point of this particular piece of the story where the Magi come to visit Jesus is that these Magi recognized the newborn king as the king of the Jews and they came to worship him and bestow gifts on him. They recognized, even though they were somewhere east of Bethlehem and Jerusalem, they, they had no intimate connection with what's going on in Israel. They knew they had to get up from where they were and go find Jesus because he was so important. But Herod already appointed the Roman, he was already the Roman equivalent of the king of the Jews. So when these magi show up, they stirred the pot. These magi were indeed wise men from afar, but it didn't seem super, super wise of them to show up and start questioning everybody in Jerusalem. Hey, I saw a star. I know that there's a king of the Jews born. Where is he? That doesn't seem like the smartest move. But I want to talk about the etymology of the word magi. So the word magi comes from the Greek word magos. The word magos is derived from the old Persian word magus, from the old Iranian language word magoeno, right? You're welcome. So that magoeno was the religious caste that Zoroaster was born into. Do you know that name, Zoroaster? Zoroaster was the priest and founder of Zoroastrianism an ancient religion that practiced a type of kind of astrological divination and used stars to point to specific historic events. They were one of the first religious groups to believe in a creator God. And these magi were associated with that religion. The word magi often interpreted in today's language as wise men is done by no accident. These men who followed the star to Bethlehem were wise because they knew something that not many other people recognized, that the true king had come. Friends, the great news is wise men and women still follow the signs that point to Jesus today. And as we've talked about again during the Advent season, Jesus was born to be a light in the world. And at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Jesus likens himself to the bright morning star. In Revelation 22, 12 through 17, it says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the, sexual, sorry, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. 
I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. So why does the ascended Jesus, right? Like this is talking about a vision of the end to come. Why does Jesus liken himself to the bright morning star? It's a statement assuring comfort for us. The morning star always appears at the moment when it's darkest, right before the breaking of the day. Friends, I fully believe that Jesus is the light of the world and he invites all of us wise men are not, to follow him. John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, Jesus' very life was lived in a way to help us grasp what God has in store for us about himself. That same bright morning star continues to beckon us with the message, follow me. So in order for us to be as faithful as the wise men of old, we have to, number one, be open to God's lead. Friends, I believe fully that God still offers signs of which way we should go. God is ever present in our world and sometimes we have to block out the things that wanna pull our attention away so that we can see what God has for us. And we have to be open to where God leads us. We have to follow the signs that we see of God's leading. In order to do that, we have to be able to recognize God's work in our lives. And we can only do this if we know who God is. You cannot know everything about God by coming to church on Sunday morning. You cannot know everything about God by skipping church and just reading your Bible because I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, right? You cannot know everything you need to know about God by doing it alone. We need community. We need all of these things to better understand who God is. So we not only have to be open to God's lead, we also have to be readily available when the signs and the signals come. Everything about the story of the birth of Jesus we read, we read again today reminds us that God will send signs and signals of his work. It may not always come in the form of an angel. It may not always happen to us in a form of a dream. But when God moves, God oftentimes makes it clear. We just have to recognize and follow. And oftentimes we recognize and we say, no, nah, I don't think so, God. Right? I don't know that that makes me comfortable, Jesus. We've gotten really good about making church and spirituality and our faith easy. I'm gonna tell you that if you feel like your faith is easy, it's probably not really faith. So we have to be readily available when the signs come. And finally, we have to be willing to go the distance to seek after Jesus, no matter what the cost is. Remember the Magi left everything they knew their families, their jobs, probably easy for them to do, get up and they left and they went to a place of the unknown to find a king they didn't really know much about, but when they found him, they knew he was the one and they offered him gifts. We have to be willing to go the distance that God is asking us to go to in order to do the work of Christians. And that is to tell the world about the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus. 
not this Americanized, easy, prosperity gospel that we've made up. Faith is not easy. Jesus doesn't call us to live a comfortable life. He calls us to be uncomfortable so that others can be made more comfortable. Our faith is not our own. Our faith is designed to help others along theirs too. We have to be willing to make right choices to follow Jesus, even if that means making some sacrifices to do it. So if we can be open to God's leading, if we can be fully available when God asks us to move, and if we're willing to go the distance with God, we may be considered among the wise people of our day too. Because in this world, I do believe there's darkness and there's evil. And far too often, we let that darkness cover over our light. We have to know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. And we have to make sure that we follow the things of God and not imposters preaching a gospel that is not of Christ. Church, in this day, there are still things that point directly to Jesus may not be a star, but oftentimes it's something just as recognizable. Sometimes those things are ambiguous, but sometimes they're incredibly clear. May each of us this day and always be able to recognize the move of God, and may each of us be willing to follow wherever God leads. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.